Now, let me tell you before I start reading a few verses out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let me set this up for, because but just start reading. If you're not familiar with this passage or the Bible, you'll be so confused, you won't even know what I'm talking about or what I'm reading. So let me just set this up. We're talking uh, and, and in a series of messages on making the church great again. Uh, we as a church feel like our responsibility is deal with the church, the bride of Christ. We sang about it a moment ago, that we want the church to be what God wants his church to be because we are the bride of Christ. So we are willing to admit because the evidence is overwhelming that the church has, is leaving its first love. It is going into every kind of a situation that is never mentioned in scripture and leaving the foundation that is clearly taught in Scripture. So in order for the church to be great again, it must be the church that Jesus started. That's where we were last week. He said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Not upon this rock, I'll build you a church. But he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will not stand against my church. So why are we so weak? Why do we have so little uh, influence in many, many cases to a world that one day will stand before a holy God and give an account. And many of them that went to church for years will say as an excuse, no one cared for my soul. Nobody ever taught me the scriptures. Nobody ever told me about salvation. And I came every Sunday and attended with those wonderful people in that beautiful place and enjoyed so many blessings. But I I don't know what you're talking about. Being born again, becoming a child of God, being forgiven of sin, I don't know what that means. So the Bible helps us to know what it means. It's, it talks about the body of Christ. Now the church is the bride of Christ and the body of Christ is the all of us together and we're able to kind of analyze from this this illustration of the Bible of what it means to be the bride of Christ. So listen as I read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want to begin with the 15th verse. Let me go back to the 14th, although I don't, uh, I intend to start with 15, but 14th verse says, for the body is not one member, but many. Now listen. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not part of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, well, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now you are many members, but one body. Now try to keep those, that analogy and illustration from scripture in your mind as we talk about the body of Christ. I want you to notice up front, the scripture very clearly says that we're all different, that we all have a different purpose. 
in order for us to do what we're put here to do as a group of believers, as the family of God, as the body of Christ, as the bride of Christ, there, there is an absolute uh, priority of understanding, but to function, we have to have the body together. Did you know there's only one purpose in your life? I don't care who you are. There's one purpose that you have, and that is to please and satisfy the Lord Jesus Christ with your life. That's it. You weren't born to drink. You weren't born to dance. You weren't born to have a good time. You weren't born to do anything but please God. And if you're not pleasing God, you're not doing what you were created to do. And what he wants you to get a hold of is that I want you to be what I want you to be, and there were many things that you can enjoy if you will do what I want you to do, and I will not withhold any good thing, he says, from those that understand that their priority must be and their purpose must be to satisfy the bride, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's a lot of people, the overwhelming majority, that don't want to listen to God. They don't want to hear God. Why? Very simple answer to that. Because you don't want God to tell you that you're a sinner and you need to change. You are totally content with saying, I shall not be moved. I change not. I will be what I want to and I have every right to be. Well, let's talk about that a little bit more. It's almost impossible for some of us to sit still and know that he is God. We always want to be busy. We want to be occupied. We want to be doing something without God. We do our investing without God. We get our job without God. We get our education, not praying, God, what do you want to do with my life? We do what we want to do. We get our entertainment from where we want to get it. We spend our money the way we want to spend it. And we don't want God to have any control whatsoever. And yet we like to sing, what a friend we have in Jesus. And my Jesus, I love thee. And all of those songs that touch your heart because they touch your mother's heart. And you feel like that because you emotionally get attached to things that God is in the midst of the motion. You know what God blesses? He didn't bless our emotions. He blesses our obedience. He said, I have made you for a purpose and you are not like anybody else. So why does everybody want to be like everybody else? Why don't we set out and say, if you like it, I'm going to like it. If you go, I'm going to go. If you do this, I'm going to do this. Where does all that come from? Well, that's for another day. But I want you to get your own answer to that. We like to hear a lot of noise, but we don't like a still, small voice. There's going to be a lot of noise in Houston today. I will guarantee you there'll be half as much noise after about three hours. If you don't understand what that means, well, you don't know what football's about. But anyway, <laughs> it'll go to a still, small voice, and half will walk away and say, Lord, what have I done? Well, let me tell you about what it means to be a Christian. You hear a still small voice, 
And when that voice speaks to you, you know you have only one option. And that's to forsake all and follow him. Now, he says, I'm going to lead you in the way of righteousness. I'm going to provide your needs. I'm going to take care of you. But you've got to follow me. And you've got to do what I have created you to do. It is a lot easier for us Christians to agree than it is for a a Christian to agree with God. We can get together and we can have our conferences and our votes and our opinions and we can make our statements and all. And and you can get a, a good group together. But when God speaks and there's nobody in the audience but me, then the tendency is to question the wisdom of God and the ways of God, even though his will, his ways, and his wisdom is far above anything that we could ever think. So I've got a question for every one of us. Do you really, do you really want to know God's plan for your life? Do you really want to know? Or do you rather not know? And you say, no, right now I really don't want to know. Right now I'm doing my thing and I'm having a blast. And so I don't really care to know right now. That could be an answer. That could be an honest answer. And you need to answer honestly. But the question is, do you want to know God's plan for your life? Because God's plan for your life is higher than any other plan. That's what he says. And that's what history has proven to be. But you've got to decide. Are you going to serve the Lord? Is your house going to serve the Lord? Are you going to obey God? Are you going to be part of his bride? And if so, which part are you going to be? But if you prefer to just get knocked down, stumble around, fall on your face, get all confused, your emotions go up, they go down, you have good days and bad days and extremes in both, and you say, but I'm just going to keep on, I'm not going to have anything to do with the Lord and his bride, the church. I guess my word to you would be, good luck. Good luck, and the odds are against you, a thousand to zero. You cannot follow your carnal flesh and expect to have the best God had planned for you when he created you. No exceptions. And while I'm at it, common sense will never lead you to the Father. Common sense won't do it. Obedience is what does it. It is not using what it seems to be, well, if you were a normal person, you wouldn't be doing that. Yeah, they would. Normal people do that. Because normal people are disobedient. And they don't seek the ways of God. So if we look and say, okay, Holy Spirit, I don't want to fool with you. I want to get to the Father, but there's no other name given among men, where we must be saved than Jesus. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Few there are that find it. Well, what, who are the few? Are they the favorites? No, they're the obedient. And, and they, they, they are obedient to the simple word of God, and they're willing to take and use the Bible as their instruction book, their personal relationship with God as where they will hear the, the best plan for their life will come through God, through his written word, spoken word, 
and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is designed to convict us, to lead us, to empower us, and to give us wisdom to guide us into all truth. But without the Holy Spirit, then we just play the odds. But when the Holy Spirit lives in you, and you be still and know that he is God, and you come into the bride and become a part, as I'll show you in just a moment, it is in the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, where God chooses to put all of the spiritual gifts that can minister to all people in all languages and in all the world. And that is put into his bride, the church. But for a church to build right, it must be built on a solid foundation, which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when that foundation is laid and we build on that, meaning that we know that our God is alive. He's not the CEO. He is God. And he wants to use any of us that want to be a part of the church that he is going to come back and rapture in his assigned time. So we got to be built on the resurrection. But it must function under the anointing of the Holy Spirit as found in the clear teachings of the written word of God, which was written by the Holy Spirit, using the hands of people to write it. Now that's narrow field to play on. There are those everywhere, everywhere that will say, I just will never believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Well, he is because he's the only one that ever rose from the grave. He's the only God that ever rose from the grave. All the rest of them are dead. And even people that follow him say they know he's dead, but they keep on following. Well, if we want the church to be what we want it, uh, what the Lord wants it to be, and I think most of us here do, we got to have two things. We got to have unity and we got to have diversity. Now try to try to mix that together. You hear what I said? You got to have unity, but you got to have diversity. Well, that's where the scripture came in a while ago. I'll not go back and read those 15 through 21, but it's talking about the body, many members. We're different in our parts, but we're united as a whole. You agree with that? We're different in our parts, but we're united as a whole. You know, God is, he's, he's awesome. Let me give you some things to think about. What would happen if when God created us, that he would have created our nose Upside down. And you happen to be born in Texas. And umbrellas hadn't been invented. What, what if he decided, if he had a sense of humor, he'd take our eyes and put them on the back of our feet? Now think about that. Shut your eyes. The eyes are in the back of your heels, looking the other way. Forward. March. You would flunk out your rookie year in the military. 
What if your feet were your hands and vice versa? How would you handle your Chick-fil-A? Not today, on Saturday. See, when you think about it, God knew exactly what he was doing when he made earthly bodies. Male and female, he made them, and he'll never change that. But, but, we are all different, but we are to come together with the gifts that God's given us that we call spiritual gifts, and that makes up the body. And each spiritual gift has its place in the kingdom of God. But I want to go down and, and read to you in about the 25th verse, I believe it is, but God has tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one body, and whether one, and whether one member suffer, all the members will suffer with it, or when one member be honored, all the members will rejoice with it. Now, he's laying out something about a church. When one person gets saved and comes out of a family, all of us should rejoice. When one gets healed, we ought to all rejoice. When one gets blessed, we ought to all rejoice. If one gets a job and we don't, we ought to rejoice with them rather than say, I'm more qualified than they were. I don't know how they ever got picked. Now, when you hear me say this, if you're being honest with your mind, you're saying, I think I got a problem. Because all of us think selfishly if we are not filled with the Spirit of God. Amen. We are all born selfish. If you do not believe that, would you go on a guided tour down to our children's building and ask to see those that are birthed through six months? And you will see, before they met their uncle that, that talks bad, that's going to influence their life, you'll see they already got a problem. What is that problem? Original sin. And it's 100% in everybody. But thank God, he loves sinners. But you see, the emphasis is on unity in the passage. It's on unity. Let me just quickly, for those of you who've never been here before, 1966, 14 people from the First Baptist Church in Pasadena agreed to plant their lives in spiritual gifts and financial gifts because they live in a community called Sagemont in the life of the birth of a brand new church. 16. On February the 27th, 1966, I was invited to become the pastor. And for four months, all we did was knock on doors. And when we got through knocking on the doors, there were 52 people said, now listen to me what they said. We will join and we will serve. And we will give and we will pray. That's what every single one of them did. On the first Sunday, one young boy gave his heart to Jesus Christ and made 52. But 51 people said, we're going to be a church. We're going to be a church. On October the 30th, after four months of meeting in, in houses, the doors opened to the little chapel over here, and 151 people showed up. 50 had become 150, and they hadn't even met in a building yet. 
The next week, there was about three less. And the next, next week, there were seven more. And we started a growth, which has now exceeded 50 years. And if you're a guest today, this church has seen one person come to Christ every day. We've averaged over one a day for 50 years. But let me tell you what the secret is. The secret is the body of Christ. Where I do everything I can to make you miserable if you don't serve. <laughs> because I know if you don't pray and you don't serve and you don't give, I don't care how many times you attend, you are not being what the church wants you to be. Amen. God is looking for people that'll be his bride, not people that'll say, my name's Jimmy, what you gonna give me? And if you don't give me what I want, there's plenty of other churches. But we have, you have stuck it out. You have put up with me for all of these years. But every time the church name is mentioned to the majority, they don't know what a church is. And they don't understand why. That they, they don't keep growing. We, we plant 100 churches, 80 of them are dead in 18 months. Why? Because we're doing church where anything will get people, that's going to be a church. Let's find ways to get the people. They come, but they don't stay. Because when they find out what a church is, they're out the door looking for something else. The body of Christ must be the body of Christ. It's not an organization, 501c3, started by the federal government, thought we ought to have some churches, so let's start a few. No. Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. And my church is going to be filled with my people. And my people are going to get gifts from the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to bless my people financially. I'm going to allow them to use their spiritual gift in a powerful way to change their community, their state, their nation, and ultimately the world. And this church is known, not as Sagemont Church, it's known as the Sagemont Story. And the story is God found a people who would be a church that Jesus would say is a church. Amen. That's primary emphasis is on bringing lost people to Christ and then discipling them to be everything that God wants them to be. And we've seen over 300 leave this congregation and serve the Lord all over the world. That's a church. That's a church. Now, a lot of people say, I don't want to be a part of that. If they expect me to do anything, I, we found the wrong church, honey. Next week, would you get back on the computer? Well, let's find another one. Let's find one where we can just sit on the premises instead of stand on the promises. And God says, I wish you'd be a part of my church. I wish you'd let me bless you. I'm talking today to people that are hurting. I know that. Some are angry. Some are lonely. Some are frustrated. Some are confused. Some are helpless. Some are financially broke. Some are spiritually ill or they have members of their family that are very seriously ill. But I want you to know something. If you fit in any of those categories, and there are many, many more if we had time, God has a plan for your life. God can use you in your weakness. He will be made strong, he says. He says if you will just humble yourself and not seek your will but seek my will, I will bless you and I will use you. And some of the most anointed, gifted Christians in the world came out of some of the most horrible situation you could possibly imagine. Because God can hit a mighty lick with a crooked stick if God holds a stick. But the church is responsible. 
We are responsible if we tell people it does not matter what you believe. It does not matter. God loves everybody and ultimately we're all going to get there and all. No. When God finds a people that will humble themselves and follow him, he will lead us to be what he wants his bride to be. He said, I will not withhold any good thing from you. That's a man that loves his wife. And when the time comes to show her, he is there to do so. That's the kind of analogy that he's trying to make. And what I want to make to you today is you matter to God. You matter to God. There are many of you here from the Open Door Mission. I've met some of you every week. I look forward to meeting these guys. You know what? Every single Sunday, they're bringing somebody for the first time to worship with us. And whenever we get a chance to receive from them a word of look and a touch and do the same thing, that's what the church is. Anytime you walk into a room and someone has not paid one five cents that studied for hours to teach you a Bible study lesson of about 30 to 45 minutes and they pour out their understanding of this to you, it's because God loves you and they love you and they want you to grow in the ways of God. That's what Bible study is. It's not to give you intellectual consent. It's not to convince you that God is smart like you. That's not what it is. It's for you to understand you matter to God. God's got a plan for your life. And it's never too late. As long as we have a breath to breathe. You might say, well, I just don't feel like my gift is that useful for the kingdom of God and his church. You know where that comes from? That comes from the devil. Now, you got to make sure you got a spiritual gift. You say, well, I got one. Well, let me make sure it's a spiritual one because if it's a real thing, it'll bring glory to God. It'll bring glory to God and it'll bring unity to the body of Christ. Amen. That's what a spiritual gift is. You don't have to tell people what your spiritual gift is. Just practice it and they'll know what you got. But what you have to do is just say, okay, God, I'm not going to do it my way. If you really feel low today, could I just tell you, I don't have time to tell you stories. I'll be glad to if you want to come see me sometime. But there's a story in the Bible about a widow. You say, I can't give. I know a story about a widow's might in the Bible. She had almost not even a penny. It's a great story is how that ends. I can tell you about a blind man that thought there was no hope for his life. I could tell you a story about crippled people, incarcerated people, lonely people, all are in the Bible and every single one of them one day when they came and forsook all to follow Jesus Christ, God came into their life and mightily used them, mightily used them for his glory. That's what church is all about. That's what the body of Christ is all about. So whenever we find out that it's in our weakness that he is made strong, then we have a challenge. That challenge is to not do what we want to do, but to use our gifts for what God wants to use them for. Lord, what would you have me to do? That's a biblical question. Here I am, send me. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And there's wisdom, the Bible says, in a multitude of counsel. You know, sometimes some things take a team. Sometimes it takes a family. In the work of God, it takes a father, the son, and the Holy Spirit, and a willing person that God loves. 
to say, here I am. Use me. Now, cooperation is imperative. The hand and the mouth got to work together. I don't recommend this experience, but I tell you this. If you eat with a fork and you pick it up and you start with your mouth, you better make sure it opens. I'm talking about the mouth. Otherwise, you're going to be in trouble this afternoon at the emergency room. You have faith that it's going to happen. You don't try to do everything, folks. You do what God wants you to do. And then you go and let somebody else do what God wants them to do. And then it all things work together for good, the Bible says, to those that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. Luke 14, 28 says, For which of you intending to build a tower doesn't sit down first, count the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish it? Lest happily after he's laid the foundation, he's not able to finish it, then all that behold it will begin to mock him. Did you know today the church is being mocked by the world worse than ever? You know why? Because the church is failing. It's doing what God didn't tell it to do. Where Jesus is lifted up, people will be drawn unto him. He will build the crowd, not the billboards. He will build the crowd. Because the world is looking for a savior, a comforter, an encourager, one that will direct them into all truth. So this is my challenge to each of us today. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, he made it very, very clear. It's in Matthew 28, 19, 20. Here's what he said. Now listen to this. Go therefore, teach all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teach them to observe all the things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the age. You see, that commission was not given to an individual. It was given to the church. Let's take all of our spiritual gifts to all the world, to every nation, to every person, everybody using the gift they have. Scripture in another place says some can go and others can give in order that they be sent. Some can go and others can pray that God will empower them and protect them and bring them home to go to another place. But here is the absolute promise of the Bible. And that is, our Lord said, and lo, this is in the end of the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, 20, and 21, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, he's not walking out on the church. Church, we better be careful we don't walk out on him. And we don't join the ranks of the majority because, you see, you can only do all things through Christ which strengthens you. And when you leave him behind, you're a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. You will come up against a weapon that will take you down and will take you down big time. And there's never been a day in Christendom when more professional Christians leading Christians, high-profile Christians, spiritual leaders are falling like dominoes all over the world with thousands of followers, some tens of thousands of followers, and some hundreds of thousands of followers. But people decided to follow them instead of him. Amen. And to leave the church 
and follow them and to take their tithes and offerings from the church and give it to them and then wonder, why doesn't that make God happy? Because the church is his bride and that's who he wants to show off is his bride. He wants the world to see what a church is like. And that's where we all come in. Not just the pulpit, not just the platform, not just the podium and teaching, but in everything that we do. But God has says, my church will remain until the end of the age. I guess the challenge is to find it. And some of you are on a search. I talked to some folks the other day, a couple of weeks ago, for two years, they've been looking for a church in Houston and been faithful going to church. And they said, we finally found when we came to Sagemont. What did they see? The cross? No, that helps. But they met God here. And as Christians, God spoke to them and said, this is where I want you. I want you to plant your life here, and I want you to carry my great commission to the entire world. One day, we'll be presented to the Lord. Ephesians 5.27 says that he might present itself to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. One day, the Lord is going to present us to the Father. He says, I don't want to be a blemish. I want to see that all the church was doing what the church was called to do. To be what we ought to be, pretty strong in it, without spot and without blemish. I want you to think as we go home or go to Bible study about these two verses or three verses. Ephesians 5.30, right at the end of the passage. For, members, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason... A man can leave father and mother, be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I am speaking concerning Christ and the church. It wasn't an illustration about marriage. It was an illustration about a work, what a church is. Husband, bride, groom, come together, make one, and that's what the church is. Amen. We're totally different, but we have one thing in common. And God doesn't have any favorites. He's just looking for faithful. Not favorites. He's looking for faithful. And the church is going to be great again when it becomes the bride of Christ again. When we start doing what pleases him, not what pleases us. And, uh, and teaching and baptizing are the two number one things in the Great Commission. If we quit teaching the Word and start telling people what they want to hear... And what we think that nobody else has ever said, we make a terrible mistake. When we start going after every kind of a God in this world, that's where we make a mistake. But the Bible says, if you will teach the word and if you will baptize those that follow me, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. I think our challenge today is to get back with God. Individually, for some. Collectively, for Sagemont Church. 
universally for the bride of Christ to never let a day go by that we don't think about our praying, our serving, our giving, our using our spiritual gift, our willingness to forsake all to follow the Lord and then say, Lord, here am I. Here am I. Use me. Speak, Lord, thy servant is hearing. I want to follow you. Even at, but God, I'm over 80. That's what Moses said one day. Look what he got into. God said, you're not going this quick. I know you want to go up there and see the streets of gold, but you're not going yet. I got a job for you. And that's the best part of it all was after he's 80 years old.